want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Tuesday night's Bible study was on fire, so much so that we've decided to make it available here on the Annex Podcast. Let's tune in with Pastor John. Church is a family of families, and a family is not complete without a father. You guys got that? So that's the key thing. That's what we're all about. It's about families. It's a family. And I would sing, but I don't want to break out in the spirit right now. Praise the Lord. But it's a family affair. It is definitely a family affair. And um, anytime the father is absent from a family, there's difficulties. It, it, things aren't ran right. Now, I know there's going to be, there's some ladies in here, maybe even men um, that are thinking, well, you know, I raised children on my own and, and I did, a, I think I did a great job. And you did. You, you did a fantastic job. But that was not the plan that God had for families. Okay, so I'm not trying to speak to you if, if you're a woman in here that is raising kids on your own. This is about no condemnation because there is still a father that is present, and that is the Holy Father. He's the father of lights. He's the everlasting father. But sometimes the problem that we have in church today is that because we never had a father, we don't know how to receive the love of a father along with a lot of other things. So therefore, we have this orphan spirit. I'm seeing it all over, and I'm noticing it in a lot of issues that the church is having, and I'm starting to discern and see how methodic and meticulous the plans of the enemies are, the enemy is. He started to destroy the family years ago, and now his plot is thickening, and he is coming after the family unless we shake our heads and wake up and realize what the enemy's doing, he will destroy the family, which will in turn destroy the church. Because we will not understand how to receive the love of God, because God gives us an earthly base to, to, to kind of relate to, to understand a spiritual base. Amen. I will go over all these things in, in the next few weeks. We may be going over this for a year. I'm not sure. But there's a lot of foundational stuff that I want you guys to realize it's important that from these weeks on out for you to take notes. Um, I don't know how long the live stream will be up, but it's important that you take notes because I'm going to say some things tonight that will go against your personal theology. It's going to go against what you've been taught. It's going to go against what you've known. So tonight I'm going to ask you guys to forget what you think you know about God. Forget what you think you know about God and receive these words. I'm going to set up some foundational truths so we can truly receive the love of the Father. Who wants to receive the love of the Father? Amen. Amen. I, I, I can promise you right now, you're going, to, you're going to start seeing some things that I could say it, but because you thought about it in a certain way, you're earthly thinking you didn't receive the natural spiritual revelation that God really has for you. Um, so I just real briefly, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. If you guys don't have your Bibles, you can look up here on the board. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. And it reads, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. So what is this saying? You may think you know God. People go, I know God. The Bible's telling you think you know God, but you don't know him like you ought to. There's a whole lot of things that we will get to know in life, but when it comes to, to God and anything about him, you need to be in a place where you know, where you know that you don't know anything. There's a lot of things in this life that you're going to get to know, but I'll repeat it again. When it comes to knowing God and anything about him, you need to be in a place where you know you don't know anything. Why am I saying that? A lot of people go, I know God. I know who he is. But how do you know God? The same way you know the person sitting next to you? 
There's people in here that have been married for years. And after 20 years, or whatever, how many years, maybe it's even five years, you start to know more about that person when you're with them. But when you marry them, you go, I'm marrying them because I know them. But there was one thing I realized when I got married, I'm on a lifelong journey to know my wife. Because people change in seasons, right? Well, God doesn't change. There's just so much about him that we haven't grasped yet. But if we think we know him, then we'll stop learning. Hence, when you try to tell somebody something new and they go, I know, what does that mean? They don't want to hear you. You must have, you must have children. Um, am I right? Listen, you're supposed to put this here and then I know. And it's funny because sometimes that's what the preacher's doing for you. He's trying to tell you that God so loves you. I know he loves me. If any man thinks that he knows something, he knows nothing. The moment you begin to think about God, you're, the moment you begin to think about God, you will, go, you will be up on the wrong track. You'll end up on the wrong track. Now, I want you to understand this. The moment you begin to think, I'm going to say it again. The moment you begin to think about God, you will go down the wrong track. Because you can't know God with your mind. Write that down. It is impossible to know God in your mind. problem is so many of us are trying to find God by reading, and that's not how you find him, by reading. You know, the moment we found God, the first thing when we found God or God found us, we, we stand up and, and begin to learn. But the truth is, you have to find God on your knees. And on your knees is a position. It's not just the, the, the fact that I'm saying on your knees to pray. I'm saying that you got to find God on your knees because it's a position of submission. And usually, something has to bring you to your knees. Amen. All right. Seeking God with your head or your mind leads you down the wrong path of humanistic theology. Humanistic theology. That means that's a, there's, a, there's a religion that we think we know, and we think we know how to serve God, and it's not true. David said this in Psalms 119 and 10. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. I'm going to be referring back to this scripture in the weeks to come. David said, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Not with studying the commandments, not with reading the precepts. And not, he didn't say any of that. He said, with my heart, not with my head. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with your whole mind, with your heart. So there's a difference between your heart and your head. This is why I said when you think, when you start to think that you know God or you attempt to think to know God, you're going down the wrong track because you'll start thinking with a natural mind. The problem most of us have is when we come to God, we try to know him through education. What does that mean? We start reading the word. There's nothing wrong with reading the word. Do not go to the far left with what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with reading the word. We should know the word because the word is God. That will tell us a lot about his character, but we won't get to know him. For instance, you could read everything you to, there is to know about. Let me think of something. Stephen Curry. Because everybody wants to know him. Yes. Um, you can read everything you want to know about him. You can even tell everybody about him. But you don't know him. You've never had an experience with him. You with me? So reading about him isn't enough. So us reading about Christ is not enough. It's good. But it's not enough. When we learn stuff, the problem with learning stuff is we soon forget. Has anybody learned anything that they've forgotten? Okay, I'm going to prove it to you, right? Watch this. Grade school. Watch this. You guys ready? How many people know why World War I started? 
Uh, put your hand down, Tony. I know you know. <laughs> Tony was like, I know. <laughs> no, no. World War I. Anybody know why World War I started? But yet they taught that, that, taught, they taught that to us in grade school, maybe even junior high. You don't remember that. Why? Because you didn't deem it important. Kind of like when we read that aspect of tithing. We read it, but how soon we easily forget it. <laughs> Who's the father of relativity? Raise your hand if you know who the father of relativity is. Three, there are three people? If that was the case, then you would be the pastors of... <laughs> it, it's Einstein. E equals MC squared. Most of us will remember when, watch this, most of us will remember when the first person, we will remember the first person that ever broke our heart. We'll remember the violation or touch that happened to us that made us feel dirty. We'll, we'll remember a rejection from a relationship, whether it was from a man, a woman, or a parent, or a brother, or a sister. We'll remember that. We'll remember our first love, and we'll remember the, the, the nice love of a parent or somebody that really genuinely cared for us. We'll remember that. We tend to remember experiences more than formal education. You, watch this. This is why doctors and nurses have internships. You don't go from learning stuff in, in doctor school, if they want to call it, medical school, and then jump right into practicing with people. You got to do internship. Why? Because they want you to learn through experience because they know that experience will stick more than you just reading it. So what you experience determines how you think. You guys listen very carefully. What you experience will determine how you think. If your experiences have been only from a human view, a worldly view, then you will think that way. So hence, when we come to Christ, we bring this humanistic way of thinking, this worldly thinking, into a spiritual world. Because all we know is we're thinking with a natural mind. We're thinking with a natural mind. We come into the Word of God and try to think with this natural mind and try to figure out and find who God is with natural thinking, then guess what? We end up missing God. We will not be able to receive for him because God is a spirit, according to chapter John, uh, chapter John, verse 4, 23 and 24. God is a spirit, and his word is spirit and life. And it says the carnal mind is an enmity against God, which means the carnal mind, what we think, goes against what the Bible says. I'll give you a perfect for instance. Forgiveness is not natural. That's why so many of us have a, such a hard time with it. Because we're using a human way of thinking, and we, we don't do it spiritually. It doesn't make sense that I would give and I shall get. That goes against my natural thinking. Praying for those that despitefully use me. No, I want to cuss them out. I'm not turning the other cheek, God. That goes against my natural thinking. But I take this natural mindset into a spiritual realm, and they don't mix. It goes, it goes against it. That's why so many of us have been sitting in church for years missing out on God. Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, this humanistic way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, thinking different, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is he saying? God knew that you are an earthly creature and you're going to be thinking carnally, but when you receive Christ, you have to start renewing your mind. You have to change the way you start thinking about things. That's why you don't find God in your thinking. Because when you find you find thinking, like when, I, when the Bible says, think on these things, right? Think on these things. Here's another word for thinking. What are you thinking? What are you imagining? 
imagine. The word imagine, the root word is image. You guys with me? What is the commandment that says something about images? Thou shalt not create any graven images. Graven images aren't just carved in the stone. They're carved in our thought life. What is an image? An image is anything, uh, anything that exalts itself. The Bible says any thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, those thoughts are earthly thoughts. Anything that's earthly is going to acknowledge, is going to exalt itself against the one and living true God. Because we're thinking with the human mind and not with the spirit. See, that's why it's important for us to experience God so that we really know God. I like what Paul says. This is really good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 through 7. And I'll break this down for you. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now listen to this. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Where's human wisdom come from? Your thought, human wisdom, but it was in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. What is the wisdom of men? It's what men think, but in the power of God. The power of God is the gospel, which comes from the spirit of God. It is the spirit that is going to make bring us alive, not our humanistic thinking. Why do you think we have so many arguments in church, so many people in the body of Christ that are fighting over interpretation of the scripture? Because we're fighting over something that wasn't given to us by the spirit. It was given to us by our humanistic way of thinking. Now listen, here's the, the cool thing. You can't change your heart, but you can change your mind. Your mind is yours. It belongs to you. You can change your thinking. We learn that in Romans 12 and 2. Paul wouldn't instruct you to be conformed, to, to transform your thought process if it wasn't possible. You can change how you think. Because if you change how you think, then once you start thinking, you try to change that thinking into something spiritual and not what you know to think in this earth suit. Your mind is yours. Your thinking is not you. What you think is not you. See, what happened is we've been programmed by experiences. Now, when I mean this, when I say your thinking is not you, which means is when you were formed in your mother's womb, God intended a certain specific uh, uh, purpose for you. But because of experiences, experience, whatever you experienced made you think differently about certain things, not the way God intended. And because you start thinking that way, you start doing those things. But the things that you're doing is not you. You are who God called you to be. And if you venture from that, it doesn't mean God, God's gifts, he's not going to repent basically what he's called you to be. There's this guy, I'm telling you right now, Donald and I love this dude, his name C.T. Fletcher. Fletcher. He, his father was a Pentecostal preacher, preaching the gospel, but his father was very abusive. So because he had a bad experience with his own father, it made him think and feel a certain way about the church and church people. And I know for a fact this man has the power of influence on his life. God has given him a gift to be able to speak. He loves people. He, he has a pastor's heart. And for years, Donald and I have been saying this dude is missing his calling, missing it. He talks and speaks to tens of thousands of people. But recently, the reason, one of the reasons why uh, he's one of my favorite guys, motivate, motivational speakers, he has a real foul mouth. He's a great guy, but he has a real foul mouth is he had heart failure. It was his second heart surgery, so he had heart failure. He had a heart transplant. But now he's experienced the lowest of the low. And now he's experienced the extra grace of God. 
And now that he's experienced a level of grace that he's never experienced or even acknowledged before, I'm watching videos of him preaching, using the word of God, talking about God uses the foolish and despised things of this world to confound and the wise. And he's just going on about God would use somebody as foolish as me to bring his power. And he's just he's preaching. And I said, wow, God never took back the calling off of his life. Now, he may not uh, fulfill the full potential, but see, it was through an experience that got him back on track, that is changing the way he thinks. And personally, honestly, I feel once we get him to come to the Building Christian Fellowship and experiences what real church is, he'll change his mind and his thinking about what church is all about. Because I'll tell you, he, he emailed me. We were going back and forth, and he told me straight up, listen, I've dealt with pastors before, always trying to change me. I have a relationship with God. And I told him, I, I don't doubt that you have a relationship with God. I know all about you. I'm not trying to change you. And just side note for everybody in here, I'm not trying to change any of you guys. Because I can't handle that responsibility. Because the moment I change you is the moment I become responsible for you. And these shoulders ain't big enough for that. That's God's job. Amen. Now, some people have had a bad experience with a man, so it changes or forms their thoughts about men or women. For instance, some people as a young age may have been raped by men, whether it's a young boy or a young woman. So they grow up with this bad perception of men or a bad perception of women. So it changes how they act towards men and women. It changes how they feel about men and women. Because of what? An experience. Now, I'll make it more simple. If you had a bad experience at a restaurant like Tahoe Joe's, you guys ever been to Tahoe Joe's? If you went to one Tahoe Joe's and had bad service and bad food, you would determine in your mind never to go to Tahoe Joe's again. From one experience with one Tahoe Joe's, all the Tahoe Joe's are bad. Tell the truth. You ain't been to every Applebee's in the world. Oh, I don't like Applebee's. They nasty. I'm, I'm cool. Because you had one bad experience. Maybe you had three bad experiences with Applebee's. That doesn't mean all of them are bad. Am I right? Why do we do that with police officers in? I just want to throw that in there, not just for y'all, but I'm throwing that in there for everybody that's watching. Because you have one, two, maybe even four bad experiences with police officers doesn't mean that all of them are bad. But because we have bad experiences with certain people, certain businesses, whatever individual it is, it changes our thinking about them or anything that resembles them. The funny part about it is when you, when you have the bad experience, you want to let everybody else know about it too. Am I right? You got a bad experience with, with something, you're going to tell somebody about it or warn somebody about it. Yeah? But if you have a great experience with somebody, you're going to tell them about that too. That's why they made Yelp. A lot of us go to Yelp to find out, okay, let me see what other people think about this business. Let me see what they think about this place. We don't, but unfortunately, we don't have Yelp for relationships. <laughs> don't you wish they was, right? Let me get a resume of your past boyfriends and girlfriends. See what they say about you. Yeah, there you go, some, yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, but you can change your mind because it belongs to you. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. If we've had a bad experience with a father or a father figure, we naturally have a resistant mind towards anything that resembles the offender in that experience. Hence the orphan spirit. Let's say, for instance, you've never had a father or you had a father that wasn't a good one and you still desire for that relationship, you still want the relationship, but the experience of the old relationship or the lack thereof affects your thinking. So, for instance, just because you don't like Tahoe Joe's doesn't make you not hungry anymore. 
you still want to eat. There's people that have want to be married, but they've had such bad relationships, they will never get married again because of how they think about another person. You guys with me on this? I'm trying to help you out in your thinking. I'm going to get to this real spiritual side, but let's deal with this natural side first. Because there's so many times that what we do is, in a relationship, one person hurts us, and because that one person hurt us, we're going in guarded because of what we think might happen to us, so we never actually give an opportunity for the next relationship. Or if we get into that relationship, we never open up completely to love one another because we always put up walls because we don't want to be hurt again because I remember my past experiences making me think that this might not be worth it. It's what happens at church. This is the problem with church hurt. I just want to let you guys know right now, church hurt is the in thing now. So it's all over the internet. Everybody's talking about church hurt. So what happens is when God wants to deal with an area, this is a side note, God wants to deal with the area, it, it's, it's, it's authentic, it's the real thing. And the enemy's going to come behind it that it sounds like it's the real thing. Like, for instance, people go, you are the church. God, there was a season where people wanted God, I mean, God wanted people to understand that church isn't just a place where you come to congregate, but we have to be the church. We need to understand it's the spirit of the living God that dwells within us that makes this sanctuary, this temple that was built not by man's hands. We are the church, but we come together and there's a corporate church that needs to happen. That was what God was pushing and he's still pushing it. But what ends up happening is we, we take that and the enemy comes right behind it and he uses the same words that God does but he kind of manipulates it just a little bit and people are like why should I go to church I am the church and we saw that whole thing being pushed I'm I'm dealing I'm right now at this moment I'm telling you right now I'll rebuke any of you guys that said this they look at me and go it ain't about a religion it's about a relationship I'm I'm done with religion religion ain't about God well you ain't been reading your scripture Because the Bible specifically talks about what good religion is. See, we take things and we run with it because it appeases our thinking. Because of an experience. I went to church and had a bad experience. I don't need to go to church anyway. Because I had the bad experience. Now I feel bad about church. And then somebody's going to come in and solidify it by going, you the church? You having church when two or three of us are gathered together. If that was the case, God wouldn't give the gift of pastors, apostles, and prophets, and teachers, and evangelists to the church. He wouldn't need them anymore. Okay, I'm going to get back and get my soapbox. You still have a desire for a relationship, but the experience of the relationship or the lack thereof has affected your thinking. Yes, I still want a father, but I don't want to be hurt. I want a husband or a wife, but I don't want to be hurt. I want a wife, but I don't trust women. These thoughts were formed by experiences. Now, here's another side note that I actually wrote down. We should all treat each other with this on our mind. Please listen very carefully. If the way that you treat your brother and sister determines how they think about God, then you should do your best to deny yourself. guys hear me if the way you treat your brother and sister determines how they think about God then you should do your best to deny yourself what do I mean by that because let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works that will glorify your father in heaven we're always so busy here here goes another thing People thought, look, look, people come to church. They ain't coming to church for the people. You should be coming to church for God. Anybody ever said that to somebody? I'm sick of there's so many hypocrites in church. Well, you shouldn't be coming to church for the people. Well, um, yes, you do come to church for the people. I come to serve you. I come for you. And God, I don't see God. I'm sorry, Jesus is not here. He left, went to heaven. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. He has sent his spirit here to live in us so that we could look and act like him. And until somebody stops thinking that they know God and they get to the place where they know God from their heart 
and not from their head, I'm the only bit of Christ that they'll ever see. And if I defame God's name, then shame on me. The Bible says that's why you shouldn't offend these little ones. It's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and cast yourself off in the sea. Do you think he's just talking about children? He's talking about new believers, little ones, babes in Christ. Don't you offend them because you're turning them away from church. So I guess the question is, how do we change our thinking, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Jericho, I'm really glad you asked. Best way to know God is not fall asleep in church. <laughs> we have to seek God with our whole heart and not our head. You know, the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. Why do you think he was after God's heart? He wasn't after a man after God's wisdom. He wasn't a man after God's power. He was a man after God's heart. He was after God's heart because he wanted the same heart. Usually you run after what you want. You ain't chasing after a woman just because she has nice clothes and smells good. You're chasing her because you want to be with her. You chase a man because you want to be with him. You chase after jobs because you want the job. You chase after success because you want to be successful. Most of us have a heart after other people's heart, especially the people that have affected us through our lives, whether it's positively or negatively. You guys understand that? We're searching, we're seeking more for the approval of people than the approval of God. We seek other people's hearts more than we seek the heart of God. We do. There's something about it. There's something about us that we want people's approval. If we don't get it, we'll do whatever it takes to get approval from somebody or a bunch of people. I just want somebody to pat me on the back and say, well done. Do you, do you know, and, I, and, and God understands, it's a natural feeling that we all have. You heard the word I used? Natural. But that's also a feeling that we have to fight against. It's a natural desire, just like there's natural lusts that we still fight against. In the desire of other people's approval, we have to fight against, but we have to recognize it first. There's people in our lives that have hurt us. There's people that we, we care about, and because they hurt us, we chase after their heart more. So we accept them for some of the dumb stuff that they do because we want their approval. But do you know if we stood back and said, listen, I'm not looking for your approval, so I'm not gonna accept any bad behavior. I'm not gonna act out of character because I know my God accepts me just for who I am. That's why the whole thing when people say, come as you are, God accepts you, but he's not gonna, well, put it this way, he loves you enough not to keep you the same. So I don't want anybody to tell me, oh, God said, come as I am. Well, you've been, you've been, you came, you're here. You've been here three years. You came as you are. When the change going to happen? Here goes something that's going to shock you. And as soon as I say it, I'm not going to say anything. I just want somebody to say something to me. It's going to shock you. God doesn't want you to live by obedience. I'm glad you asked. God doesn't want you to live by obedience. Nobody has anything to say. Nobody even wants to throw a scripture in my face. Y'all scared? Doesn't the Bible say children obey your parents? Yes, and it also says that obedience is better than sacrifice. But God doesn't want you to live by obedience. This is what I'm about to tell you where it is good. It's, it's, you could say something, but if you're thinking a certain way, because I, what I just said, you're automatically thinking, what do you mean? You mean it's okay for me to uh, just do what I want? It's not what I'm saying. Jesus wants you to love him because love always aims to please. 
Just answered it right there. You know, none of y'all got it. If you love God, wait. Well, okay, I'm going to skip. I'm, I'm going a little bit. I'm going over. Let me, let me make this statement because I think I got it up here. You can be obedient and not love somebody, but you can't be in love and not want to please them. There's a bunch of prisoners right now in prison that have to obey the buzzer when it goes off. They don't love the buzzer. They don't love the guards, but they're obedient. That's how a lot of us are following Christ. We know the word and we do the rules and regulations because we think following the rules is going to prove that we love God. You following the rules doesn't prove that you love God. It just proves that you know how to follow instructions. But if you love God, if you love Jesus with your whole heart and all your mind and all your strength, doing what he wants you to do is easy because I just want to please God. If we focus on obedience, we're focusing on rules, and we might as well call ourselves Pharisees and Sadducees. Then we'll be able to stand in the synagogues, in the church, and talk about how good we are because we kept the rules. It's all about love. And you can't love God unless you receive his love. Because love is God. Luke 6 and 46, Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? But watch this. I need you to understand the difference in the English language and the language they were using back there in the, the ancient uh, Greek, okay? This word Lord doesn't mean our master. I mean, it says, why do you call me Lord? It doesn't mean like you're a slave as in the American term when you were caught and you were put in bondage against your own free will. This word literally means my master. I follow you and I submit to you because I love you. I'm going to be here. Look, I don't, you, I don't, it's not even changed. Nothing's keeping me here but my love for you. Master. That's what they meant. And he's like, why are you calling me master? Why are you saying you love me but yet you don't do what I'm telling you to do? John 14 and 15, this is what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. But we got that twisted. We think, God, I'm going to prove to you that I love you, so I'm going to do what you say. No, think of it this way. He's saying this. If you love me, don't worry about anything else. You'll end up keeping my commandments. I just want you to worry about loving me. See, that's what he's telling us. I want you to receive my love so that you can love me back. That's why the Bible says we love him because he first... Loved us. But we can't love him until we receive his love. If we sit down and think that we love God in a natural, the way that we think, because listen, you, there's a many of us in here been in relationships and we told people, I love you. Based upon what our knowledge of love is from our experiences. And you know what most of us think love is? Love is, I get butterflies every time I see you. Every time I'm around you, I feel all these joys and bubbles. If you've been married for more than six years, you know that those butterflies will soon die. <laughs> Usually dies after four years. That's when people say the honeymoon is over. It's like you see somebody like, I don't need butterfly. That's not love. Those are feelings. I'm sorry for yelling, but I'm passionate about this. Because what I'm doing is I'm building a foundation for you guys to, re, to, to re end up receiving the love of the Father so we will no longer have this nasty orphan spirit going around thinking that we know something when we really don't know nothing about God. First John 2 and 15. This is so important. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So now that I broke things down spiritually to you, let's, let's just break this down. 
Whatever you love, you'll try to please. I should preach this on Sunday. Whatever you love, you will aim to please. That's why Jesus said, do not love the world or the things in it. Because if you do, you will aim to please it. And if you aim to please anything in this world, then guess what? The love of the Father is not in you. And how is it? Can can I just be honest? It's really hard not to love some things in this world. I mean, I'm sorry. Are you guys just hyper spiritual? There's a lot of things about this world I really like. I'm just being honest. And it's hard to sit down and say I don't like them. And, and I find myself, I guess, is the word, is it a dichotomy? I'm, I'm betwixt between two things. And I'm kind of like what Paul said. I, 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 rather that, I would rather go home and be with the Lord. But I, I, the only reason why I want to be here is because for you. Because you guys need me. I'm not saying like Paul said, but there's, there's things in this world I love. But, I, you know, I want to be at the point where I'm like, man, I can leave at any moment. I don't care if the Lord takes me now. I would love to be like that. I'm not there yet. My love for the Lord hasn't grown to that level of Paul's yet. But the more that I know him, the more that I have experiences, the greater my love grows. Remember, I said, you won't know God by standing up. You know God on your knees. There's situations that happen to bring you to your knees. Let me help you out. That's why Paul said that I may know him. He just said that I may know him as he blesses me with a wife and a house and a car. He says, know that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering. I'm just going to stop right there. The fellowship of his suffering. You know what brings you to your knees? Suffering. You know what makes you know God? Suffering. I truly believe that when you suffer enough, then you'll start to see God in the little, little blessings he gives you. But until you learn to suffer, you can't learn how to truly rejoice. Don't love this world or anything in it. And if you really love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. So, Pastor, how do we switch our hearts from this world towards God. I'm glad somebody asked that. I'm almost finished for tonight. We must realize who we are. How do I switch my heart from loving this world? How do I switch from going, knowing God from with my mind to, to seeking his heart? How do I do this? First of all, let me ask you guys something. How many people in here are human? You guys are human beings, right? Well, let me tell you something. From the time you were born, you've been lied to. We are much more than human beings. You guys hear me? We've gotten so caught up in being human and fleshly. God didn't make us human beings. Ooh, see, now you guys are looking at me like, wait a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. The name of this flesh is called human. This suit that I live in is called human. You guys with me? God made us spiritual beings. You guys know what a spacesuit is? Put the the spacesuit up there. See the spacesuit? You guys see it, right? I'm about about to blow your mind. Spacesuit. What is a spacesuit made for? Space. So that you could survive in that environment. You with me? A spacesuit is made so you could be alive in that environment. Spacesuit, space. But a spacesuit with nothing in it is dead and lifeless. So, in order for the spacesuit to actually look alive, you got to get into it. And the spacesuit will only do what the person inside makes it do. I wish I had an organ during this time. I, I, I really feel like this is good stuff. I'm like, Pat, I'm preaching better than y'all's response. 
So when, so when the person gets in the suit, whatever the suit does is according to the person that's inside the suit. Now, if that person inside the suit decides to get out that suit in space, the person inside, well, let's look at it this way. Yeah, it cannot survive in that area. That's what we are. This flesh is just a suit for us to dwell in in this atmosphere. We were made spiritual beings and God formed our bodies from the dust of the ground. And he put our spirit inside this flesh to survive in this realm. But here's the problem. So many of us are trying to act like God, but he's not inside the suit. We got to stop trying to act like God if, because if the spirit of God was in us, we're going to act like him. Now, there is certain things you can't do in that spacesuit. You have limitations. Am I right? There's limitations to what you can do inside that suit. That's why there's limitations to what you can do inside this flesh. But there's tendencies for that suit to make what's inside of it tired because it's big, it's heavy, and, and, and moving. So, so it's the same thing with us because in our, in our flesh, because our flesh is warring against our spirit, we get tired sometimes. But the helper, the spirit of God, should be in us to help us fight against those difficult things that our body is trying to do all the time. But if he's not in us, we can't act like him. You can pretend... But sooner or later, you're going to get tired. Listen, if you guys don't know this, we were here before the earth was formed. Did, did you guys realize that? God created us before the earth was formed. Romans 11 and 36 says this. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. What does that mean? Whatever who we are was already in God. God didn't go and we, we existed. He pulled us out of himself. Can I take a side note real quick? I, I have to take a side note. Why would God not love you? The Bible says he can't deny himself. Mm. If you come out of God, then you're a part of God. And God loves you with the love of God because you are a part of God. And the Bible says he can't deny himself. He loves you. God knew you. Before you were born, even before you were in your mother's womb, he told Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 5, before I formed you in, your, in, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So many of us think he was just talking to Jeremiah, but it was written down in God's word because God is speaking to us through his word. Yes, everybody in here has been ordained and sanctified before you were in your mother's womb to be a prophet to the nations. Don't let a preacher fool you and make you think that you're going to be standing and there's going to be TV screens and you're going to be preaching. The nations are all around you. Nations are nationalities. They're every people and every color and every creed and every walk and every sexual orientation. Need to hear the gospel. He ordains you. He said, yes, you, before you were even formed, he had a purpose and plan for you before you were even formed, before you were even your mother's womb. Why? Because he pulled you out of himself because he is the prophet. I love this. David gives us further evidence of the providence of God when he created you. He says this in Psalms 139, 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your books before one of them came to be. Before you even had a form of a body, God knew who you were. He knew what your name would be. 
He knew what you would look like. He knew the mistakes that you would make, but he still said, I'm pulling you out of me. I am making you this person, and I am calling you. I'm ordaining you. I am sanctifying you to be prophets unto the nation so that you could speak the word of God and bring spirit and life to the people that are dying out there in a world that is lost and going to hell. God's plan wasn't to create a universe. It was to create a family. The universe was made to house his family. He formed us. He knew who we were. He, he, he pulled us from out of it and then said, you know what? I'm going to give them a place to live, and I'm going to put stars in the sky for them to look at. Not just, listen, you know, because so many people are like, well, there's got to be stars. There's got to be life out there. God put them up there for our pleasure. You guys, I had the epiphany. I was sharing it. I forget who was I was sharing it with the other day, but I, I, Kai and I were on vacation in St. Martin, and I don't like going out in water where there's live things at, but I felt compelled to go out in the water. It felt like bath water was blue. It was beautiful, and I just kept walking, and I walked and walked, and I got to about this high, and as I looked out into the ocean, we were in a cove, and I saw these mountains. The mountains were on each side. They were beautiful. They were green. The wind was just barely blowing. And there was people around, but I couldn't hear anything. And I'm just looking. And I was just taking in all the beauty and seeing the majesty of God. And I heard God speak to me. And he said, I made this for you. I made this for these moments so that you could see how much I love you. There's times, saints, that we, if, what, is, what is it, uh, what does it say, breeds content, contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. We get so familiar with things that we see that we forget it's God's work. We drive by mountains, we drive by fields of grass, and we don't recognize the awesomeness of God. We look at trees that stand tall 100 feet in the air, and we miss out on the awesomeness of God. There's mountains that rage real high up. You go up high in the mountain, there ain't even air for you to breathe. But yet somehow God will create something to still grow on top of that mountain. He does that for us so that we could see the awesomeness of God. Those things don't happen by accident, saints. He put them there for us to enjoy. Praise God. Saints, God thought about you personally. It's impossible for you to be an accident. I'm going to end it with this. There's somebody in here that may think my parents didn't plan me. I, I was put up for adoption. My dad didn't love me. My mom treated me like trash. My dad treated me. My sisters didn't even want me around. But I'm here to tell you, God knew you. Before you were formed in your mother's room. He knew you. He saw you before you even got a body that he called you and sanctified you before the foundations of this earth to be a prophet unto the nations. Just because your parents didn't expect you doesn't mean that God expected you. Just because God just because your parents may not have wanted you here, God preordained for you to be here. And maybe one of the reasons you're going through so much hell in your life is because of the call on God in your life. I'm telling you this because it's through the knees, the bending knees that we get to know God. I'm sorry, some people were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, had two great loving parents, and they know and they'll love God. But I, I'm just, I am convinced, I am surely and thoroughly convinced that you will get to know God more going through trials and tribulations than you do through blessings. 
Pastor Gordon, when he took, when Pastor Kerry Gordon shared his testimony, he taught, he shared, and it was a great testimony. He stood up before everybody. He says, "I never smoked. I never been drunk. I never did any drugs. I did I did this. I married when I married my wife. I had never kissed a woman. I got married a virgin." And he was going on down as he was the perfect Christian in sounding. And he says, "That's my testimony." Everybody clapped, and just me thinking, I'm like, "Man, this dude ain't never had any trouble." His father was a pastor. His father's father was a pastor. He comes from a line of pastors, but he shared shared a hard time with us. He shared a moment of breaking in his life. But when he shared that moment, I saw that God took him from here and knowing him to way over here and knowing him in the brokenness. It was a situation that brought him to his knees that made him know God even better. I'm telling you, saints, that's why you don't despise people's testimonies of how, you know, everybody wants a testimony about, oh, I used to be a drug dealer, a prostitute, I used to sling dope, I've been arrested, shot five times, stabbed four times. Everybody wants that testimony. The testimony could be, God kept me from all the trouble. God showed me a way. I walked in a righteous way. That is a testimony. Yeah. I'm, that's a testimony I'm jealous of, to be honest. I'm just being honest. This church world will have you thinking a human way. That's a human way of thinking. Oh, you have to go through a lot to be, to be relevant, brother. Your testimony has to be like God had to, you know, you had to, you were making wrong decisions and you were, was there some way you were a gangbanger? Something? Like, nah, man. There's some of y'all in here right now, you guys are going to grow up and go, man, I ain't never got in trouble. I grew up in church. I love the Lord. I, my testimony is that I walk with God all this time. Hey, Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm like Samuel, shoot, Sam, Samuel, Samuel's testimony is I grew up in front of God. I obeyed the Lord. I did all that he told me to do. <laughs> I never even thought of that till now. From the time Samuel was born. Somebody say this. I want you to say, God wants me and he wants me here. Anytime suicidal thoughts come across your mind. No, no, don't say that. I'm just telling you this. Praise the Lord. Anytime suicidal thoughts cross your mind, you have to remind yourself, God wants me. And he wants me here. Because if you can experience the love of God, it will overpower the love of any man or any woman or any parent. I forget what the scripture says, but David said, when my mother and father forsook me, you were there. But you got to be like David, too, and seek God with your whole heart. Rejection is a lie, saints. Your friends may reject you and even your parents, but God wants you, and he wants you to be you. Do you guys know God re experienced rejection so you didn't have to? Why are you going to take on something that somebody already took on? If I take you out to eat and I pay the bill, are you going to pay the bill again? Okay, I'm going to ask you again. If I take you out to eat and I pay the bill, are you going to pay the bill again? No. Well, Jesus paid the bill. Why are you trying to pay it again? Right. I'm trying to tell you. The word says in Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. He was rejected by his own creation. It says he was despised. That we didn't even esteem him. Psalms 118 and 22. He was the cornerstone that the builders rejected. And because he was rejected, he says, I received rejection so you don't have to. Look, some people in your life, I'm, I'm not here to tell you. There's people around you that may not want you. There's people you with that may not want you. There might even be some people that want you but don't respect you and treat you the way that you should be treated and you're just settling. I'm here to tell you, don't worry about the ones that are rejecting you. On an earthly level, there is somebody that wants you. You just got to change your thinking. That's your picker. Your picker's off. Saints, I'm, I'm going to close this. I'm late. God loves you. So this is what we have to do. We have to change our earthly thinking. Stop thinking that we know God. Be not conformed to this world, which means don't be thinking the worldly thoughts, but think 
But, but he says, but renew your mind, transform your mind. How do you do it? Seeking God with your whole heart. If you are going through some trouble right now, it's the perfect time to be seeking the face of God. I don't care what the trouble is. Somebody may look at you and go, why are you tripping? Your cat died. It's just your cat. It's just your dog. Well, if that hurts you, God, it hurts God. And, and during that hurt, it's not that God set it up for you to hurt. He's just going to use that thing that was meant to destroy you for your good, but to God's glory. So in these next few weeks, I don't know how long it's going to be. We're going to be covering this, this thing about the orphan spirit. I think I had it up there. It's not what you think. Relationship with God isn't about thinking. You'll find him when you seek him with your whole heart, not with your head. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm going to close this out. Praise God. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.